Here we go. So our topic is the necessity of godly fathers this morning. Uh, I'm going to take for my, my scripture reading Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And I want to stop right there. Because right there, God instituted the family, didn't he? And notice man, when God created him, it says that God created him in his own image. Now, I don't think that's the physical image that we have. I don't think, I I personally do not believe that that's what that means. I'll, I'll clue you in here to what I believe it means when God says that he created man in his own image. It means he created man upright. What's that mean? It means he created him without fault or flaw, didn't he? He was perfect in every way. He didn't know sin. And God, he can't stand sin, can he? And so he created man without sin. And so I believe that's when you see that he created him in his own sight or in his own image, he created him perfect. If there's a word to describe God, it's perfect. And because God is perfect in every way. But he created man in his own image. And in the next part of that first verse that we touched on, in his own image created he him. But he's talking about two people here, isn't he? And I'm going to touch on that in just a minute. And then male and female created he them. So he he breaks it down even further. And then he gives them a commandment. He blesses them and he says, go forth. He says, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And so that's where we're going to touch on. So God institutes the family. He institutes a husband. He institutes a wife. And they have children. And so here he says, be fruitful, right? And and, and multiply. In other words, have kids and replenish. And what that word actually means is fill the earth, right? This, this idea that the earth cannot provide is insane because God specifically designed the earth so that it can sustain. Not just a few massive numbers of people, just like it does today, but it, it can do it on until it will do it up until the day that Jesus comes back and time ends. And so we see this, this, these, these clearly defined roles of the father and the mother and the child in these verses of Scripture. And they have clearly defined roles. 
And we talked about motherhood on Mother's Day. And I like to talk about the role that fathers play. And, and we're going to see that coming up here in a moment. At least that we're going to try to with the Lord's help. And we're going to touch on a few characteristics or aspects that fathers should try to demonstrate to their kids. And the first one of those, the very first attribute that a father should do, first thing that a father should do for his for, for his children is he should be a teacher and that's been expressed here already this morning but how your fathers some of you had fathers that took you to church and expressed the importance of being saved they 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 they, uh, they, they by example they showed you those things uh, now I grew up in a situation where we didn't really go to church all the time but I and I've sat and reflected on this many times because it wasn't until a few years ago um, after my dad had uh, had triple bypass open heart surgery uh, and we were there and and I I asked him I said, Dad, I've just got to know the answer to this question. I was like, have you ever been saved? And he said, of course I have. See, I didn't have a dad that talked about it all the time. And I've thought about this a lot through the years, ever since we had that interaction. And, And he told me about where his place was at that he got saved. But the first, uh, the first verses of Scripture I'd like to touch on on this is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. You see there, God tells the children of Israel in that verse that you will teach these things diligently to our to your children. And that's the issue, isn't it? And so the one of the most important roles, and I would actually say it's the most important role that a father has is to teach his children, not only about life, but the uh, very special things of life. And, and I believe that it's laid out here, uh, the, the foundational things that you teach your children in life so that as they grow and get older, they will know how to come before God. The Lord our God is one Lord. How do you love that God? With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And that teaching is not something that God suggests, is it? He commands it. And these words which I command thee this day. In other words, he's saying if you want your children to exist into perpetuity, you will teach them these things. 
If you want them to be fruitful, you will teach them these things. If you want to have a name, you will teach them these things. It's been pretty widely uh, uh, ignored nowadays. It's pretty much not even... It's pretty much not even looked at as a thing. Show me a man. But I have to measure his greatness. I'm not going to measure his greatness by how much money he has in the bank. And I'm not going to measure the greatness of a man by what he's accomplished in life. I'm going to measure the greatness of a man by his children. Is he an honorable man? Are his children honorable? (laughs) Is he faithful? Well, are his children faithful? See, if he is, and he trained them to be that way, then they will be that way. And they will speak well, and that will speak well of him. In the Eastern, uh, in Eastern religions still today, it is viewed as a cardinal sin that you would go against your father. Now, we all remember uh, when Salginia would be here, and, uh, and I believe, and I'll, I'll say this... Um, I believe in my heart of hearts that she most probably, most likely got saved while she was here. I had some conversations with her. But she would never submit her, present herself for membership. Because to do that would mean to go against her father. I wish in the West we still viewed fathers with such great significance, don't you? A lot of the issues that we have in society would not exist. And so God says to teach these things. Teach them to them diligently. To their children. And listen here. And and. and you shall talk to talk of them when thou sittest in thy house. What do you talk to your kids about? <laughs> no, <laughs> Amy said Nintendo. <laughs> we do. We talk about it quite a bit. But Avery threw me a Mario birthday party when I turned forty-five a few a few weeks back, and it was awesome. And I loved it. But not for that, but for her. But what do you talk to your kids about when you're alone with them? When you sit and watch a movie with them, what do you, what do you talk about as it pertains to that movie? I, I, Lily and I'll sit and we'll watch movies, and I'll just give an instance here. And I'll just point out one movie in particular. So, you know, we were sitting watching Moana one day. And we weren't necessarily even talking about the movie except for the fact of the conversation that the movie tabled. And the, and, the, and the answer was, well, why do they do the things they do, Lily?
And we talked about the religious aspects of what they adhered to and why they did what they did. Why wouldn't they kill that pig if they were dying of hunger? <laughs> well, I can explain that to you. Talk about the, the spiritual things of life and, and where they're wrong and, and get them back centered around the one true God that we worship and serve. The world will put a lot of things in front of your children to drag them away from God. That's what Satan does. Uh, he wants to drag your children away. And if your kids get saved, he's not going to stop trying to drag them away. Uh, and so we, we know that once they're saved, they're always saved. So what's he trying to do? What's he trying to accomplish in trying to drag them away if they're saved? It's that he doesn't want them to be an influence on others that they would be saved also. And so fathers, when you sit in your house with your children, talk talk about the one true God. When thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up, every minute of every day, be an example toward your children for what they should be in life. Now, I believe this, Titus, if we go to the book of Titus in the second chapter of Titus, what are you talking about? Speak those things. Paul writing to Titus. Paul was Titus's father spiritually, and Paul writes to Titus, and he says, speak those things which become sound doctrine. We live in a day and an age when the things that become sound doctrine, even the most basic of things, like male and female created he them, are being questioned and are being uh, told that those are incorrect. And that is done so that uh, you can children will be drug away into not believing the truth of God, that the one true God created them male and female for the purpose of procreation that they'd have kids but speak those things which become sound doctrine listen to what he says uh, for the young men that the young men likewise exhort them to be sober minded and in all things Titus show thyself a pattern of good works now, I said beforehand that my dad didn't drag me to church all the time. We went on special occasions, like so many people that are Christian. <laughs> we would go on Easter. We would go on Christmas sometimes. We didn't go to church very often when I grew up. But dad would take me when he would conduct business. And I would see dad in the way that he conducted business. And it was honest. And it was sincere. And dad never presented himself as some great somebody. Even though a lot of people in 
his industry looked up to him for the knowledge that he had. Dad never approached it with anything other than an air of humility. He liked corny jokes. <laughs> and when we share in that, that's one of the things that I picked up from my father and my daughters, well, my oldest daughter, she really cringes over it. But he always did things humbly. He never bragged. And if he did, it was only jokingly. But I remember how he would present himself that way. So we go forward to that day in the hospital there in Pikeville when he had open heart surgery. And he said, of course I've been saved. He, he did not see it as something that, um, that, that he needed to beat me over the head with, essentially. He just lived his life that way. I never saw him drink alcohol. He never had it in the house. He didn't smoke. He didn't do any of those things. Now, Mom did, but... Now, I will say this, he got her started on it. <laughs> Dad just had the willpower to just drop it on a whim, and Mom mom didn't have that. <laughs> mom chewed Nicorette for about ten years to, get a, to stop smoking, and that destroyed her teeth. But make yourself, show yourself a pattern of good works. And as I sit and I think back on it, yeah, we didn't beat the church doors down, but Dad lived it. Live an honest life. And I will say this. I'll say this. And now look, I, we're here to exalt God, and I'm not exalting my dad. I'm showing the pattern that was displayed before me. And this is the one pattern that he had that I struggle with, and I'll be honest with that. When he was done wrong, I can't ever remember a time in my life where Dad sought to retaliate. And if you had to ask me one thing to point to, that if you're a Christian... that is exemplified in scriptures as a pattern of good works, it would be, suffer yourselves to be defrauded. That's what, that's what Paul wrote. Allow it to happen. Dad did that, and I'm thankful for it. Showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of con the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil to say to you. Man, if you're a father today and you teach your children that, that's going to be invaluable. And it will serve them their whole life. 
not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Now, why am I talking about my dad? Because you can train up a child in the way that they should go. That's what that's what the scriptures teach us. In Proverbs 22 and 6, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, I just want to say, that's not ironclad. You can train up some children in the way that they should go. And it, some children may be like that prodigal son. And they want to go off on their own way. And they want to do their own thing. And they want to live their life with righteous living. And waste all their inheritance. And they may want to do all those things. They didn't do it from the pattern of their father though, did they? they the pattern of their father is what brought them back. In my father's house, even the servants have plenty to eat, and I feign for the husk that are fed to the swine. Now, I said that about my dad, because I had a conversation with my cousin Chris. He's one year younger than me. We were like brothers growing up, and this is two, two paths that diverged in a wood. And I had one example laid before me, and he had another example laid before him. And we were having a conversation after the funeral was over, and uh, and he looked at me and asked me a question because we were talking about our kids, and I was talking about Lily and Avery and Amy, and uh, and he asked me a question, and he said, "How long have you been married?" And I told him, "I said I've been married for 18 years." I'm on the spot. I'm hoping I got that right. So <laughs> I'm always so nervous about doing that. <laughs> but I was like, I've been married for 18 years. And he just looked at me with this dumbfounded look on his face. And I said, you shouldn't really be surprised by that. And he said, why? I said, because that's what I saw growing up. Mom and Dad got married right out of high school. And they're, they'll be married up till the day they die. He didn't see that pattern. And so it's very... It, if you want successful children, if you want to really turn around society, godly fathers are absolutely necessary. It will not happen without them. I don't care how many government programs that are created. I don't care how much legislation's passed. It ain't going to matter one iota because they can't teach spiritual things. God, God charged the Father with that duty. He said it is your duty and it is your responsibility to teach and train your child not only in how to approach me but how to conduct their lives so that it brings me glory that they may see their good works and glorify their Father in heaven. He gave him another responsibility. He said, it's your job as the father to control 
your children. That one's hard. <laughs> now that one's hard. It's especially hard in a day and an age when disciplining your child has become something that will get you thrown in jail. Now you don't I don't believe in abusing a child at all. But spanking a child because they have done something wrong is not abusing a child. I was spanked plenty growing up. I don't ever consider myself at any point in time ever having been abused because I was told beforehand, do not do this or this is going to happen. And I was just stupid and chose the latter. <laughs> Not everybody parents the same way, though. But I will say this, not every child is receptive to the same type of discipline. Some kids are just hard-headed and stubborn like I was, and that's all they understand. You can look at them and say, take a time out, and they're going to look at you and be like, take it to your baby. It ain't going to work. The qualifications for a pastor and a deacon demand that it is one that ruleth his own house having his children in subjection. Now that doesn't mean that doesn't mean what it Sounds like it. it means having your children in submission to their father. Because guess what? That's the relationship that we're supposed to have with our God, isn't it? We're supposed to be in submission to Him. And not He in submission to us. Uh, we're supposed to give in to Him. Submit yourselves to God, then resist the devil. You, you can't submit yourself to God if you won't put yourself in submission to Him and be in subjection to Him. And so here, one of these qualifications for pastor uh, and a deacon is one that ruleth his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. That's 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4. Verse 12 says, Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own house as well. And then Paul goes on and says, How can he watch over the house of God if he can't even rule over his own house? Because it's written in the Bible, my children are stiff-necked people. <laughs> and so if you're going to pastor them, you've got to be someone who can demonstrate some control, don't you? Now, discipline's part of it, that control aspect's part of it, but first and foremost, teaching and training your children are necessity. But what if I told you that nature isn't true, well, truly what determines the path of a child, it's more nurture than nature. Would you agree with that statement? I would agree with that statement. And generally, when we think of a nurturer, we think of the mother, but the Scriptures actually write and say, fathers, and ye fathers, and this was used in our Sunday school lesson, Lesson, but Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 and fathers provoke not your children to wrath not everything's a capital offense 
There needs to be some leniency. There needs God doesn't God doesn't throw down on us every time that we get out of line, does he? To that end, my mother has asked me before uh, uh, this question. Well, what if one of your daughters did something you, you, you know, very much vehemently disagreed with? And she became one of the alphabet people, right? Fall in that category. What are you going to do? Cut her off? I said, well, I don't know. I said, what's the examples that we have in scriptures? When Jesus hung on the cross, I said, God even turned away. When Jesus became sin for us, God even looked away. It was dark for three hours. You can't endorse it and condone it. You can welcome them in your house, but that, that behavior is not welcome in my house. Period. That's the only way you can go about it. But not everything is capital offense. Provoke not your children to wrath. If, if you do that over every little thing, that's what's going to happen is you're going to have kids who are just angry all the time because everything they do they get in trouble for. Uh, and so they're going to just be uh, uh, more malcontents. And so you've got to show grace, don't you, as a father toward your children. But then he says this. He says, but bring them up. In the nurture. We don't think of fathers as nurturers, do we? That means an encourager, doesn't it? That means encourage your children to do the right thing. Train up your child in the way that they should go so that they know right from wrong. And they can distinguish between the two. But bring them up in the nurture and the admonition. Now that's the corrective part, isn't it? And it's referred to here as mild or gentle. You don't deal with your children the way you would deal with someone in the Old Testament if they had committed murder. <laughs> it's not an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, all right? But nurture them, encourage them. This world makes us hard and it becomes very easy to be negative, doesn't it? And it can be hard to be an encourager for our kids. But that's really what we're supposed to be. And so we look at that, and we go back over here, and we're going to close here in just a, just a second. Uh, we, we take all of that, and we try to put it into focus. Now, I'm going to go to the 127th Psalm. The 127th Psalm, that this was, there's some debate about who this is written toward or to. Uh, some believe this was David writing to Solomon. Others believe Solomon wrote it uh, as it pertained to the building of the temple, uh, meaning the second temple that would be born at, or built after uh, 
uh, after uh, they came out of captivity, but I think correctly uh, it's probably David writing to Solomon concerning the building of the first temple, but it's actually messianic in its, in its meaning. And so we read the 127th Psalm. And it says, uh, and so I'm approaching it from the standpoint of David is the author writing to Solomon, his son. And we know that mothers give good advice as well. Proverbs 31, Bathsheba writing to Solomon. And so uh, we look here in the 127th Psalm. He, he says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. You can't fight God and expect reward, can you? Except they keep the city, except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. We take a lot of comfort in our military, don't we? But the day the Lord puts, turns his face against us, that military will wilt before it. It's happened to every great military that's ever existed in the history of the world. He says this, he says, It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. That means that's just bread that you labor and you work for and you, you're, you're under a lot of uh, heavy bar- burden uh, to bring forth that bread. Uh, and, and so it, he, he calls it the bread of sorrows. Uh, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. And what does he say here? For he that giveth, for he giveth, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord. They're your reward. They're your, they're your inheritance that God allows us to enjoy in this lifetime. Uh, and, and they're wonderful, aren't they? They love the most innocently and the most fully. They can be the most brutally honest (laughs) out of the mouth of babes. He hath perfected praise. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. You know, this ties back to what God told Adam and Eve in the garden. That the fruit of the womb is your reward. In other words, that's the payment on your contract. That's what that word means. He said, go forth, be fruitful, and multiply. Because that multiplication, those children that would be brought forth to fill the earth, those were the reward. Our children are oftentimes nowadays looked at as a burden, aren't they? They're not a burden. They're a joy. And they should be a source of joy for every father. And it's going to mention why. The arrows of uh, uh, the air, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Amy really gets on to me sometimes. <laughs> 
because I love to play with my kids. Lily's gotten too old for that, and Daddy's a square. <laughs> it happens. I treated my parents the same way. <laughs> She'll come back around one day. Amy gets so mad because Avery and I, we, all we do is play all the time. Hop on pop. And let me tell you, Avery takes hop on pop to another level. <laughs> it's more like hop on dad to see if I can break a rib. <laughs> There's been times where I thought she did. But I love I love my children. And they are a blessing, even though sometimes they can test that patience. I want to close with this. And this is from the children's perspective, looking at their mom and dad. Because we cover Mother's Day, we cover Father's Day, the, the, the attributes that mothers have, attributes that fathers have. Children should look at their father. And it was, it was stated this morning, not all parents are, are necessarily worthy of honor. And I agree with that. Not all parents demonstrate themselves in a manner worthy of honor. But God didn't put that qualification on them, did he? That qualification is on the Father, that the Father would act in accordance with that. But just as he said to, to the children of Israel at Sinai, that they should look at their fathers and reverence them, honor them, not be a reproach to their name. Deuteronomy chapter 5 says, Honor thy mother and thy father as the Lord hath commanded thee. See, that's he's not saying honor thy mother and thy father if they are worthy. You honor your mother and your father even if they're not worthy. I would actually say especially if they're not worthy. Because you might be what's needed to turn them around. Gideon turned his father around. Honor your mother and your father as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. What's, what do I get on what do I get in reward for honoring my mother and my father Lord thy days may be prolonged I love it when the people wonder wonder what's the secret to a long life what's the secret to a long and happy life God tells us right here doesn't it now it's not guaranteed but he says, you honor your mother and your father and your days may be prolonged and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Honor your mother and your father and go forth and be fruitful and multiply. And your children honor their mother and their father. teach your children in a way that, and train your children in a way that they should go, and when they're old they will not depart from it. That's my message this morning. If there's anybody here in loss today, 
don't know that this was necessarily an evangelical sermon, but that doesn't mean God can't use it in an evangelical way. We're supposed to honor and glorify our Father which is in heaven. But I find it completely... I find it completely... incongruent with rational thought that if I can't honor my earthly father that I'm going to honor my heavenly father they go hand in hand they go hand in hand if you won't honor the one who you can see how on earth would you honor the one who you can't see fathers should live their life and point their children to the cross and when they don't know the answer, they should their children should see them seeking it. That's my message this morning. Brother Williams, if you've got a song.